You're listening to the Play Like a Girl podcast, episode number 22. You play ball like a girl! I'm Nikki B with Play Like a Girl, made just for female athletes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Play Like a Girl podcast. I'm your host, Nikki B. Here at Play Like a Girl, we aim to encourage more confidence in young women who play sports and give them the necessary tools and advice to have an amazing career in sports and beyond. If you are a young woman who plays sports and lives an active lifestyle, or you know one of these young women, I am so excited you're here. Each week, we'll either bring you a guest in the sports world or have a roundtable discussion of the many taboo and important topics in the world of female sports. Are you with me? Let's change the game. Before we dive into this episode, I want to share the review of the week. We want to start sharing these reviews, so be sure to leave a review with your name and IG handle to get a shout out. This week's review comes from Ray Marie, who says, I'm intrigued by these Play Like a Girl podcasts and wish they were around when my daughter was growing up and even myself. Max Preps, Nikki B, and the team have done a fantastic job to find real girls and women in sports and fitness that have faced challenges and share their journeys to success. Please share it with your daughters and friends. Thank you so much, Ray Marie, for that awesome review. This week's guest is my ultimate girl crush, you guys. Lori Harder is a fitness cover model and three-time fitness world champion turned self-love junkie who inspires women to find their tribe who lift each other up through her annual weekend event called The Bliss Project and through her new book, A Tribe Called Bliss. She also has a podcast called Earn Your Happy, which is amazing for anyone who needs a weekly motivational pick-me-up and advice for almost every situation in life, but especially how to anoint yourself in whatever it is you desire to do or be and own your happiness. Without further ado, please welcome my role model and inspiration, Lori Harder. Lori, thank you so much for coming on to the Play Like a Girl podcast today. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like we had to jump through some hoops to get here. Um, with we did. difficulties <laughs> on my end earlier, but I feel like this is like the right timing. <laughs> it is so meant to be. We're in the new year. I think this is perfect timing. So, um, and I know you'll have so much amazing advice for our young female listeners, um, you know, regarding fitness, body image, fighting your tribe, all that and more. Um, but before we dive in, I want to um, do a little rapid fire questions, which I got from your hubby, Chris, on his podcast. And I think it, you know, gives a little intro to the guests. So are you ready for some rapid fire questions? I'm ready. Okay. First one, where do you currently live? I live in Santa Monica, California. Love it. Oh, beautiful. Um, where did you grow up? In Marquette, Michigan, which is the upper peninsula of Michigan. Most people do not know there is an upper part to Michigan. Like it's totally detached from lower Michigan. Oh my goodness. So it's just like kind of out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. It's people really forget it's part of the U S and so did we. So <laughs> oh my gosh, too funny. Okay. So I know the answer to this question, but what sports did you play growing up? What sports did I play growing up? Mm -hmm. um, I did not play sports mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because I was homeschooled through high school and I grew up uh, in a really um, more of a restrictive religion where I actually could not uh, associate with people outside of my religion. So I did not do any extracurricular activities besides like what I, you could do alone, which was mm -hmm. rollerblading and snowboarding. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I love that. <laughs> and I'm so excited to have you, just a tangent, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast, even though you didn't play sports, but I mean, you have 
such a huge role in the fitness industry. So I just love your story. So we'll dive into that later. But next question, what is your favorite quote? Oh my, okay. If you don't know this about me, my favorite quote actually changes almost daily Mm -hmm. um, because it's goes off of how I feel. But literally I have a podcast where like once a week I pick a quote based off of how I feel. Um, So I mean, one of my favorite quotes though right now, and it has been for the last year is a Tim Ferriss quote about, um, he says the most success, wait, Warren Buffett, sorry, the most successful people in the world say no to almost everything. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I Tim Ferriss has one like that, though. Yep. And I totally <laughs> listened to your podcast. So I know that. So I was excited to hear what your favorite quote today was. Um, okay. <laughs> what is one of your superpowers? I love this question. Um, dropping in and relating to people really quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Okay. And I and do then... that by being, I do that by being like my, like a weirdo. I find it's very <laughs> powerful. I love that. I love that. Okay. And who is your favorite athlete? My favorite athlete. Mm-hmm. I have never in my life been asked this. <laughs> um, you know, I would say just because my first exposure probably to the world of athletics was probably through my husband in football. So I'm really like, I just like watching, uh, like different quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. I like Aaron Rodgers, and I like, um, who's the quarterback for the, the Patriots, Tom Brady. Oh, Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I love that. <laughs> and it, I think that makes sense for you because I feel like as a quarterback, you're leading, you have to see things before they happen. And it kind of makes sense for you with like what you do. So I love that. Okay. So, um, before we dive deeper into what you do now, I want to talk about how you got here. And like you mentioned before, you're religious and your religious upbringing. Um, and I know in your book, which we'll talk about later, um, your body image and low confidence growing up. And there's specifically a story in your book that you share, um, about on the diving board at a pool party. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of where you had your first body image experience. So can you you share that story with your listeners as well as a little bit about your upbringing? Mm-hmm. Um, so I shared a little bit about being from a small town and mm-hmm. I share, I, I like to share that I was raised in that religion and I'm so grateful for all of it. Like I can really look back and be so grateful for all of it. And some of my family's still in it. So, um, but for me, it was, it's important to share that because the the tribe, the group of people was so small mm-hmm. and we really are the people that we are around. We become them. Our beliefs are formed by what we're hearing, what we're seeing, what they're thinking, what what the what the whole group is believing. So for me, um, I will tell you that what I gathered, this may not have been the story for everybody, but what I gathered from the way that I grew up was um, you know, we struggled and life was hard and you were committed to preaching about the Bible. And while that was great, it was also your life was committed to that. And there was not a lot outside of that. And for me, I always had this feeling that I was supposed to be moving my body, that I was supposed to be dancing, that I was supposed to be like, I felt this like internal athlete trapped inside of kind of an overweight girl's body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because it's funny living those two lives. And I think there's a lot of people living those lives right now where your environment is like reflecting back to you that you are always going to struggle, but internally you're like, oh my God, you're in the fight of your life because internally you can see who you are and you know who you're meant to be. And that was definitely me even at a really young age. Um, so when I was, um, I think it was 11 years old, I went to a 
pool party where in my church, there was a bunch of kids that were getting together to go all swimming together. And these didn't happen that often. Um, but this was the group of kids that I grew up with. Like these were the only kids I was allowed to hang out with. So it wasn't like if something went awry with these kids, I could go like find another group of kids. Mm -hmm. Like this was it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this was the group that you have for your whole life. So, um, I'm at this pool party and at, at this point in my life, like, I think we can all look back to that point where we, uh, were that, th that innocent kid where you still played and you had fun and you were really in touch with who you were. And then there's that moment where all of a sudden you get a realization of maybe how other people are viewing you or how other people are thinking. And for me, it was this moment where I remember climbing up on the diving board and I, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to impress my friends. Like I thought I was really good at like doing all of these athletic things. I was like, am I going to do cannonball? Am I going to dive? Am I going to like do a, I loved doing like um, round offs and like cartwheels off of diving boards. <laughs> I don't know if you remember thinking you were like really awesome at something oh, at, yeah. when you were young and you're like, oh my God, I am amazing. Mm -hmm. And so that's the feeling that I was holding at this point. And it was like this kid that I had had, like he was literally my future husband um, for real. Like <laughs> he was the one. And then a bunch of my girlfriends and all of his friends. And I got up to the edge of the diving board and they were chanting something. And I was like, what are they like? what are they saying? And you know, it registers like a second later that they were saying whale. They were all chanting whale over and over again. And to me, it wasn't just like kids chanting this. It was the moment of these are the people that are like your friends. Right. And because the popular kids started chanting it, everybody started doing it. Mm -hmm. And it was this moment of like, I had a feeling that I was, you know, I didn't look like the rest of them. Like I knew that, but I didn't know that it was like something that was going to be criticized whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And it was this moment of how can I like, I felt foolish to be honest. I felt mm -hmm. so stupid. Like I thought I was so cool. And now I'm just this in my head, I was saying things like now I'm just this disgusting fat girl. Like, how mm -hmm. can I love myself? How could mm -hmm. I even like me if this is what they think? So, um, I mean, I can't even tell you the rush of things going through my head, but I know that you've all experienced it. So I don't even need to share that feeling of just shame and embarrassment and anger. And I remember just like saying, get in the water, like just get in the water. So all the things went out of my head and I jumped in the water. And just as soon as I got in the water, I let out this massive sob. Like I, I can still hear it to this day wow. and like, like feel the bubbles on my skin because it was such a, like of the air going out of my mouth. Cause it was such a, you know, those moments are locked in, like mm -hmm. they are so locked in. And I was like, maybe I just won't come up. <laughs> it was mm -hmm. what I was thinking. Cause I was just so embarrassed and heartbroken. Um, and then there was this moment under the water where I was like, that's it. Like I'll show them just wait. And I didn't mm -hmm. know what that meant at the moment of, I didn't know if just wait was two years or if it was 20 years, but I remember thinking like never again, will I feel pain like this. Mm -hmm. And I felt pain like that a lot after, <laughs> yes. but, but, um, you know, some beautiful things happened that day and some bad things happened that day. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I started to build this armor and tell myself a story that I was better off alone. But at the same time, I was like pulling myself out of something and really uh, like switching gears into health and fitness in an interesting way, which turned to be a little bit unhealthy, turned healthy. So mm -hmm. our path is always so incredibly um, interesting <laughs> because <laughs> Sometimes in order to get on the good path, we can go to extremes. And I think it's all about really looking at 
where we're at, but that's, that, that's where kind of the fitness journey actually began was at a really young age, mm-hmm. um, just turning my attention to what can I do for myself and what am I able to do under my circumstances alone? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the book and all of the things that I talk about now, really creating your tribe in this group of people for, uh, where you're going, not for where you are. It was pretty much based off of these experiences at a really young age, because I had to remove myself from my environment, even my family somewhat at a younger age and, um, start doing things more on my own in order not to get pulled back into the constant eating every single night and not being active and not moving around. So that's where that journey started. Right. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm so happy you did because like you said, I know all of us have some similar story, some traumatic experience where, you know, something, it just shifted everything for us. (laughs) So thank you so much for sharing that. And um, let's talk about how that experience kind of led you into the fitness world, because even though you didn't play sports, growing up, even though, you know, this experience happened to you, you became a three-time fitness world champion. So how did you go from that to a three-time fitness world champion and cover model? Oh man, I'm like a little bit obsessed that I'm, I'm doing this podcast right now because I had a story in my head for years that Mm. I would never be able to get into the fitness world because I wasn't an athlete in school Mm -hmm. and I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't go to college and I didn't do athletics through college. So every single magazine that I was reading in my teenage years, the girl on the cover went to college or had a really athletic background or she Mm -hmm. was a cheerleader or a gymnast. Every single one. Mm-hmm. You weren't getting a cover if you were an underdog or you didn't have a sports background. Mm-hmm. So that dream for me, I was like, well, that's out. And that was crushing because as a teenager, if you would have went in my room, I had two, um, I had two different closet doors and the closet doors had like from top to bottom, they were covered in pictures <laughs> of fitness women, like athletes, whatever it was. I didn't even know their names. They just were like, you know, every fitness magazine was on my closet doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so for me, it was like, I didn't let the dream die, but I also didn't think it was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened is because I was in that religion, what I was able to do was go for walks, go for runs, rollerblade, read fitness magazines, uh, get workout VHS tapes. Yes, they were, they were VHS tapes. Um, and that's really what started in my teenage years was I was starting to build that. Um, I was, I didn't want to feel pain again. Honestly, I was really, I think a lot of us get into it if we're being super transparent because we are either running from something or we no longer want to feel pain. And some of us get into it because our parents put us in it and it's a team uh, thing and it's something that really interests us, but then there's the other group. So I want to acknowledge both groups Um, and for me, it was something positive that made me feel really strong and powerful and in control of my life. Mm -hmm. It made me feel like I actually had a choice in the matter. And I realized that through, um, two different modalities. I realized it number one through reading fitness magazines Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, um, the way that they're eating and the way that their days laid out, because you know, it always show like, oh, this is how Monica eats and <laughs> she eats a piece of lettuce in the morning and she, eats. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I'm definitely not doing that. Um, so I started to see that my habits and my family's habits were not aligned with the way that healthy people were showing up in life and doing life. So this was big for me because I was always told it was my genetics, always. Mm. 
And it was so easy to buy into that because everybody in my family and in groups of friends, it was like, oh, it's your genetics. We can just blame this. We knew part of it was eating because we would diet all the time, but then the diets wouldn't work, right? Because mm-hmm. you'd restrict yourself and we didn't know like what we were doing with diets back then. It was like Adkins or fat-free or whatever it was. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're not sustainable things. So um, that's when in my teenage years, just the whole fitness world uh, kind of opened up to me. So it was very singular though. It was really isolating. Um, and then in my twenties, I started to be like, I want to make sure that I keep this in my life. So the quickest way to keep it in your life is to make it a career. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was also another thing that I could do because I didn't go to college. So I got certified in being a personal trainer. And I will tell you, I had this story that I never finished anything. So even though I got certified, I was too afraid to start training people. Wow. I had mm-hmm. I ended in my head like, Oh my God, I just know my first client is going to be a doctor and I'm going to look stupid. Uh, Isn't that mm -hmm. funny? Like these are the stories Mm -hmm. we tell ourselves. So I held myself back making up this idea that my clients were going to be doctors. Um, (laughs) This is how, this is what we do though. So I want to point that out. Like this is literally what we do. We make up these Mm -hmm. stories. And so a couple years later, I finally decided to um, start training at an LA fitness and Um, I was like, wow, I'm not getting paid enough. I was getting paid $6 per session. And then I was like, that's it. I'm going on my own. I started proclaiming what I wanted to do to people. Um, I started proclaiming that I I was like, I want to have my own studio. I want to be a fitness trainer. And I was speaking it into existence, like all of the time. And, um, the only way that that dream even happened is because I would speak it. And one of my clients who had just opened a chiropractic's office was like, Hey, I have a basement that's like totally open. She's like, it's bare, it's exposed, like the wires are hanging down. But if you want it, you can have it right now if you train me in exchange for the space for a couple months till you get your feet off the ground. I said, yes. I was like training in her basement the next week with cords hanging down and exposed oh my and gosh. <laughs> exposed walls and installation, insulation, like all on the sides. And it was crazy. Like it was so ghetto, basically. <laughs> it was like... All right. So that's when, um, that business started to take off. Cause I was like, that's it. Like, I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, people had started training with me. So that fear had gone away. Mm-hmm. I literally had a doctor and was training them and they were like, Hey, you're great. <laughs> So you don't have to know it all. They really just want Mm -hmm. to train with you because they like your personality. Um, And from there, I was like, I want to start doing fitness competitions because I thought that was the only path to be like a Jillian Michaels was to Mm -hmm. get out there and be seen. (laughs) Um, And I uh, basically was not, I was doing okay in the uh, competition world, but it took me about three years to even like be seen there. And I know so many girls fell off through that process and they were like, this is ridiculous. This dream isn't going to happen. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep going for it. Um, And there was a massive energetic shift within that from when I started from when I uh, actually first won to when I wasn't. And it was a moment of um, transitioning into like. I need to do this because I love it and because I love me Mm -hmm. and not because I'm in competition with other people. And when I started training other women for fitness competitions and teaching them like how to be ready for stage, there was such a shift because it was like, I was now able to like give back and enjoy the process. And now I was teaching it and I had this great community and I was really loving who I was and valuing 
who I was for the first time ever. And I was like, that's it. I just want to have fun. I'm just going to go out there and have fun. And sure enough, that was the year that I won. Like I felt a shift. Mm -hmm. I I literally, I knew going through it was just crazy for athletes. And I'm sure you felt this. Mm -hmm. There are some things that you show up for that you're like, oh, I'm different. Mm -hmm. I feel different at this Mm -hmm. one. I like me. Mm-hmm. something might happen here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so funny you bring that up. So that totally happened to me when, you know, in college I played golf and I was just not a good player. And it's funny. Then I went on this TV show called shot makers on golf channel and going mm-hmm. into the, cause this was last year and going into it, I knew I was going to win because of that mindset shift. So let's talk about yes. that because I think um, it's so important. It sounded like you, it's funny, you did kind of have an athlete mentality growing up where you, even though you didn't believe in yourself, you kept going, you kept pushing. But then Mm -hmm. it was when you finally actually believed in yourself that is when you won the fitness competitions. And, um, but it's really when you started accepting yourself and loving yourself. So um, talk about how you did that and why you think it's the most important thing you can do for yourself, especially as an athlete. Uh, well, I, I had this moment of um, looking at my, I made vision boards for mm. a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to always have your vision in front of you, whatever that is, and, and try to keep a healthy relationship with it. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it goes, it goes back and forth. Um, and for me, I was looking at this vision board and I kept putting covers up. Like I literally kept putting uh, fitness covers up on this board and I was standing in, in my room one day and it was like three years later i had not gotten a cover i hadn't done anything like great yet Mm -hmm. hadn't won anything and at that point i was staring at this cover and i just remember i started to just like sob because i thought this dream may never happen you know those moments when you Mm -hmm. just like you feel like you're hitting a wall and you come to grips with like i'm at a crossroads do i let go of this dream or do i keep going and i stood there and, and i was like why do i want this Mm. I had never really asked, like, what is the deeper, like underlying, let's go underneath the layers of Mm -hmm. like, well, I want it for, (laughs) you know, credibility and I want it because it's this dream that I have. And I was like, what's it going to get me? So what I wanted it to get me was recognition. Let's be really honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Community. Um, I wanted to be a leader in the worst way. Like I wanted to be using my voice and I, I, I wanted to be using that because of the credibility that the cover had gotten, had, would get me. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. So you have a gym. Like at this point I had a studio, I had opened up a studio. I was starting a community and I was like, people get to hear your voice if you use, you know, Facebook and start using all the different things online. And I was like, I'm going to go full force to be, to create this without that. I was like, wait a second. I don't actually need the cover to create this world that I think the cover will create for me. Mm -hmm. So I went like full force on creating what I wanted from the cover without it. Mm -hmm. I was like, we can always create what we want without the thing that we think is going to get us there. And when I started to do that and let go of that outcome that I thought I needed so bad, I am telling you, like, I, I don't know, it's like making me emotional right now because mm-hmm. I think it's so important for people to know that that thing, it may not be the exact thing, but that thing will either come or come it come in a different form when you release that outcome and focus on what's happening right in front of you. 
Like, what can you make better right now? How can you achieve those feelings and that desired outcome that you think is going to happen right now in your life without that thing? Um, And that's really, that was the moment that everything shifted for me. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. What the truth from you? Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. I love that. Oh my gosh. I That gave me goosebumps. That was just so good. Um, so in addition to having a positive mindset, one thing you talk about in your book, A Tribe Called Bliss, is finding a tribe that lifts you up, up and helps you to your goals. So talk to us about the book and then why you think it's so important to find your tribe. Uh, I think that the book is vital because we, I, I was just on this like lone wolf journey. And I think as it depends on, this is really interesting because there's certain types of athletes that can be, you know, the, um, singular athletes where it's like a very singular sport and Mm -hmm. it's, you're not, you're not on a team. (laughs) So, um, for me, the, the sport that I had taken up basically was, um, you know, fitness competing and that's very singular but it can also be team oriented. Um, so through part of it, I did end up joining a team, but you're still kind of competing against everyone on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a lot of my life, even starting, you know, from a young age, I had started telling myself that I'm better off alone, like doing a lot of fitness stuff alone, um, taking walks and runs and rollerblading and going to the gym alone. Like I was like that, that girl who always had her headset on, um, because I was just so focused on the goal. And a lot of my life, I did not have the support system whatsoever because my family wasn't into what I was doing. Um, I hadn't made, you know, new friends necessarily at this point in my twenties, I had gotten, um, married to an amazing human that I'm still Mm -hmm. married to. And we ended up moving, like we moved like nine times in a really short period of time. Um, so I was always alone Mm. and, I thought that if you wanted to reach your goal, you had to do it alone. I had, I had a couple of uh, fitness coaches who told me it was lonely at the top. Um, just a lot of isolating like ideas in my head. And I'll tell you that in my, in my mid twenties, like I really, um, it was late twenties when I also started not only the the studio, but I had started in network marketing. Um, I was at home alone a lot, just like on the phone and running these businesses. And, and I was starting to get a taste of like some serious success, like coming way faster than I even understood. Um, and it's like all of these things that I had wished for were happening in my now in my thirties as well. And I was so lonely. Mm. I was so lonely that I noticed that some of my like sabotaging ways were starting to come back. Um, cause I'm alone at three o'clock every day. And it's like the, the tears would just come every day mm. at three o'clock, like just desperate loneliness. Like, is this all that there is? And like massive anxiety because well, you know that when we're alone or our, our stories of fear or shame or whatever it is in isolation, everything grows. So it's kind of like I was in a really bad place and, um, just had this recognition that I have to do something like I need 
friends in the worst way. Mm. Um, and unfortunately I did the alone thing for a pretty long time. Um, but there came some time, uh, in my probably, oh my gosh, hold am I, it, it was lower thirties where I, I met a group of, or I met another woman who was online, who was in the same world as me, like fitness world online business. And she had reached out to me and at the time I was reading a Jack Canfield book and I was a part of his program and he talked about masterminding in this program. And he was like, all of these different men that I know who are in business and their businesses are crushing it are doing this mastermind thing. And at the time it was a very masculine thing, like to <laughs> go and mastermind in these men's groups. And I kept hearing about these men's groups, like who were all getting together. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm reading this Jack Canfield book. And I'm like, me too. Do you want a mastermind? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so we're like, but we're going to do it our way. Like we're going to talk about business and we're going to talk about life and we're going to separate the time into, you know, 20 minute segments and have it be very structured. Um, and also abide by some rules. So she's like, okay, you know, we should do this, but we should get another woman to do it as well. Like, so we, the, because three is like a really powerful number and you also get different perspectives. So she's like, I just met this woman in Costa Rica. I don't know her very well, but I really liked her. Should we do it? I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's come in every other week. Um, and that's really when um, I started to uh, notice just how much like processing especially with other women has like completely changed my life so every other week for about the past four years now if not more um we've been connecting together and i will tell you um connecting with other people and outside of this many other tribes and groups have come up and come off of this because what that did for me is it created a safe space to understand how we can talk to understand that we can have boundaries to understand that we can have structure we can have rules we can have connection we can have deep fast connection um and it just accelerated everything for me mm -hmm. because the things that used to stop me no longer stop me because i talk about them and once you talk about them and you understand that it's like you put light on something that was maybe um, bothering you, hurting you, you felt stupid for shame around, um, you know, something that you don't know. It's amazing what can happen when you bring it to light and you bring it with other people and they share the story of me too, that's happening right now for me, or this is what I'm doing to process it. Or, oh my God, that happened to me a long time ago. Here's, here's what I went through or a reminder, like, you're amazing. Yes, we all fail. This is what it looks like. So my comeback rate is so freaking fast now that things are just happening faster because something mm -hmm. that used to throw me off for a week or a comment that used to just take me down for a day is like now like five minutes because I'm like, Hey guys, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm getting pretty low right now. <laughs> like, I, I need some help, like pull me out. Um, so that's what it is. It's like, a, it's, it's a soft place to land. It's a safety net. It's people to pump you back up. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and you have to create that for your life because it's not just going to happen. Like, I love that we're talking about sports because what happens to a lot of athletes, especially, um, female athletes is after college is over, we don't have that structure, that thing that brings mm -hmm. us together anymore. And then we start this story of like, oh, well, people's groups of friends are already made. It's so hard to make friends, blah, blah, blah. It's not, you just have to get some structure in your life and you have to know a new way to do it, to bring people together and make sure it's consistent. Because I'll tell you what, like, we're not going to be consistent if we don't have something to show up for and that you're all committed to. So that's really what the book is about is it's creating a new commitment in your life that is short, fast, um, and you can connect deeply to it. It's got a structure. So you're going to get out what you need to get out. It's going to help you process and you don't have to do it all the time. It's like every other week for an hour and it creates such a massive like ripple effect in your life.
Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. I love that. You brought up a lot of great points, and especially when you talked about when females graduate college who have played sports, it's Mm -hmm. so easy. I know so many athletes face that identity crisis, and I think that having a tribe that you can fall back to is just so vital because as an athlete, it really, I mean, it's kind of like a baby. It really takes a village. So as an athlete, you have to have your coaches, your trainers, your PT, your parents, your everything, and your, of course, your teammates to help lift you up and always keep you accountable and bring you up. So, um, and then it's hard once you, once you're done with your sport, it's kind of like, well, now what? I don't have, I don't have anyone because I don't have my sport. So I'm so happy you brought that up. But um, one thing I want to ask you is, um, what advice would you give to student athletes who have drama or issues on their team? And like, are there any lessons from your book that they can incorporate into their team or their sport as a whole? Oh my gosh. I mean, number one, it's not going to end, uh, once you're not on that team anymore, <laughs> it's just going to ripple out into mm-hmm. the jobs that you get. It's going to ripple out into your family life. It's going to affect you at Christmas. Like that's just, Uh, it's a version of human beings who have to come together. Mm -hmm. So when people come together, I I truly believe that you, even if you can't have a set of agreements with them because they're not open to it, you can have your own set of agreements. Like if you have not read the four agreements, definitely read them or read my book because it's somewhat based off of that. Um, If you can abide by your own agreements of not taking things personally, learning when you need boundaries for yourself, learning when you you have to complete a forgiveness loop or complete a story that's not going to be completed in the way that you want on their end. Um, but learning that you have to complete that for yourself mm-hmm. by either cutting them out of your life, letting them go, not um, engaging, whatever that looks like. When you understand what your agreements for your life is to live a peaceful, complete, happy life, um, you'll be able to show up and move and flow and dance through all different types of communities, through all different types of drama, through all different types of things in your life, because I'm just most likely, unless it's something I have to stand up for, not going to engage or let it stick to me. And Mm -hmm. something that um, has really stuck with me was, and I write about in my book, um, Mel Robbins talks about just not taking the bait. Like so many people who are in dramatic situations or who constantly have issues every single day on their team or at work or in their life, it's they're constantly taking the bait of what people are putting out there. And it's not about them typically. Mm-hmm. Like it's never about you. Mm-hmm. It's about them. So when I say don't take the bait, like if they're saying something that's triggering you, you don't have to engage. Like you can just look at it and be like, I'm observing that they're being how they are because of a set of patterns and circumstances that they grew up with. It's not Mm -hmm. even about you. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny you say that because that is exactly something 
we talked about on the podcast before in the very beginning we just talked about teammate drama and how usually it's something it's a them issue not a you issue and it's it's so hard to you know really believe it you can say it but it's so hard to actually believe it and feel it but it's it just takes practice and time um but yeah i'm so happy you brought that up so um as a fitness and mindset coach what advice would you give to coaches and parents of high school and college female athletes regarding proper training and anything else mm, proper training like physically or mentally or what are both mm. um Oh man. Okay. So mentally, uh, advice that I would give to a coach who is training girls. Mm -hmm. Um, oh my gosh, they are watching everything that you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they're watching everything that you do. And also I, I think that the most important thing is kind of abiding by those agreements that I just talked about almost, um, maybe squashing, I think anything that is, um, talking, talking about what gossip really is. Like, I think bringing things to life, like talking about what gossip really is and what it does and how it actually impacts, like not only the person you're talking about, but it's going to impact your life dramatically. I think really talking about the, um, comparison game and how much it it's going to affect you and what you do in all of your life and really focusing, um, on, like really making the girls look at and focus on their own strengths and how that can impact the team as a whole. And I think something that's dramatically changed my life with women. And I think this can also be incorporated to sports as I'm saying it, I'll think about it more. Um, but what's dramatically changed my life with women is realizing that with them and celebrating their strengths and celebrating who they are, it helps support me. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to be everything. Mm -hmm. I can actually just really focus in on what I am. So when we look at, oh my gosh, like she's so brilliant with numbers or she's so brilliant with taking home the the game or whatever that that looks <laughs> like, like closing the game, closing the deal, whatever that is. But she, and she's so needed for what I do. Like really, really, really celebrating your teammates because you don't get to show up fully you without their support. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's so vital to learn how to celebrate women, to learn how to compliment women, to learn how to get outside of your head when you're starting to get in your head in the comparison game because that's been one of the biggest things especially in fitness competitions i had to put on my blinders and really appreciate all different aspects of um the women around me because if mm -hmm. i got into anything comparing like oh my god i was going under like my energy mm -hmm. was just getting depleted so the more that i was like you know what i'm gonna like joke around with them backstage. I'm going to go up to her and I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to go try to help that girl. The more I got out of my head by trying to help a teammate or by helping another woman, like the more that I just, I felt myself growing and like mm -hmm. expanding and taking up space and being seen. It was really crazy. Mm -hmm. I love that you said it because it's so true. It's weird in sports or in a fitness competition too. I mean, your ultimate goal is to be number one, right? So it's yeah. it's a very interesting dynamic where you want to be the very best 
And so it's a very much a comparison game. But at the same time, like you said, the only reason I think you are going to do well and do better is when you bring everyone else up with you. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's that's so true. And I love that. So um, Lori, what is coming up for you? What's something our listeners can get involved in? And also, where can everyone find the book? Ooh, um, what's coming up for me is I have my Bliss Project event, which is super exciting um, because it's kind of like the book in real life. (laughs) Uh, And it's also super fun because I've taken everything that's ever transformed my life and everything that I love and put it all into one weekend. So um, tons of singers this year. I have like three different um, singers. (laughs) I have, um, you're going to be dancing. You'll probably be crawling on the floor in the dark. Um, You're going to be meditating. You're going to be doing self-work. You're going to be doing journaling, like a lot of just get out of your own way transformative stuff you're going to be connecting really fast um, with a lot of different people so it's I really believe you can create transformation at the snap of your fingers if you're willing to do the things that will get you outside of your comfort zone and if you're choosing that you want Mm -hmm. transformation so the weekend really provides the opportunity to transform if you want to so that's what's most exciting for me right now Um, because anytime I can be in the room with women who are ready to do the same thing I am like it's just fun. Like I think transformation can be fun. So, uh, the book can be found anywhere like Barnes and Noble, Amazon on my website. So you can just look it up and yeah, that's what's up for. I love that. So just a couple more questions for you. Um, what is your best advice for our young female athlete listeners? You know what, when you are feeling like bad or sorry for yourself, go support someone, like get outside of your little bubble because it's so easy to get self-consumed. And I think the fastest way to feel good, and I'm always reminding myself of this because entrepreneur life can be very lonely at home. I'm like, oh, you're moping. Oh, you're feeling bad. Like how have you been reaching out to people or helping people or, you know, like really living in your gifts? Like what are your gifts and how can they be, um, transferred into helping people. Like how can you use them to help people? And that's probably one of the most powerful things you can do to get out of your own way. I love that. Okay. Final question for you, Lori. I love this question. What does playing like a girl mean to you? Oh, playing like a girl. I just, being a woman to me is like so powerful. Like, especially right now we are in one of, I I think one of the most, um, important pivotal uh moments for women so i just think that it is like celebrate um everything that you do um and just how powerful we are because it's quite crazy when we understand um what happens when we not only celebrate our own self and our own gifts but when we really come together and play like girls together mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's almost like I don't know, it's overwhelming how amazing women are and just really tapping into your own unique strengths and not taking yourself so serious. So I think there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for coming on the podcast today. I love this. (laughs) Oh, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, you guys, I absolutely loved chatting with Lori so much. She gave us so much amazing advice for how to finally start believing in yourself, why it's so important to find a tribe, how to handle drama or gossip on teams for both the athlete and the coach. I hope you check out her book, A Tribe Called Bliss, because I feel like her seven sacred agreements would be pivotal to incorporate into your team, whether you're a coach or a player. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. 
Make sure to share this episode with a friend who you think will enjoy this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts on this episode, so head to iTunes to leave a review. You can also send any questions or topics you'd like us to cover by sending us a DM on Instagram at playlikeagirlmp. We want to know what you want to hear. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us at playlikeagirlmp so we know you're listening alongside us. Thank you so much for listening to episode 22 of Play Like a Girl. We hope you come back for more. Once again, I'm Nikki B, and remember to never stop playing like a girl. You play ball like a girl!